Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Ephesians, the uh, second chapter. Just the last verse of the second chapter. We're going to read this 22nd verse. And we didn't have the choir sing this morning because they're going to be singing. Now, the people that are coming, uh, Jared and Elizabeth, and I don't even know their last name. I didn't know it, but but we we invited some, you know, upper echelon people. He is the mayor of Chelsea. And, and I said, the person that told me that, I said, is Chelsea like a real incorporated town? I said, yeah. So, man, we've got, we got some good stuff coming up. But anyway, they requested that uh, the choir sing a couple songs for uh, before they sing, and so we're going to do that later. Uh, praise the Lord. Let's take the Word of God and grow thereby. The Lord will just minister to us. Hallelujah. It's Ephesians, the second chapter, and we'll be reading just the last verse. In whom you... Everybody say me. Now, no, that's not everybody. That's not even a fraction. Everybody say me. Because this involves every single one of us. And Paul says you. He is addressing the Ephesian church, but also he's saying to the whole body of Christ, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Being built together into a dwelling place. This is a habitation, a habitation of God by His Spirit, in His Spirit. Now, I don't preach, I never have, I don't believe that the Lord is going to appear physically in this building this morning and walk across this platform to show us who he is. That's not the habitation that God's going to show. There's another habitation. It's in his spirit. So we're going to look at that this morning. I want to kind of go with this thought, said what I am now. That's why I had you say me, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place, a habitation of God in His Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We just ask you now that you would bless and touch. Your word was so anointed. All Scripture given by inspiration, God breathed. Lord, I pray that we'll just do justice to speaking your word this morning as you gave it by Spirit by inspiration of spirit, that we'll also just be able to deliver it just by that same anointing. Not our word, but your word, Lord. Not something we're doing, but what you're doing. Touch our lives. Minister to us, Jesus, we pray in it. In your name, amen. Amen. I had some thoughts that we don't go here too often, but we're going to go here this morning. In order for me to properly evaluate where I am now, I need to see where I came from. Thank you, Brother Dustin, the other night I was thinking about this. The t- 
talked about the image of God in that we're not to compare ourselves to see where we're at in the Lord. I'm going to compare myself against another brother, against another church, another pastor, and therefore, thereby, I can, I can evaluate where I'm at by looking at somebody else. But we don't just have one image to look at, and that is Christ. Amen? And so, but to properly evaluate where we are right now and thank God. Thank God that I'm, I'm down the road a ways. Amen. But in order to see just where I'm at, I need to clearly see where I was. Now, in doing this, I don't want to bring up bad memories. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I want us to realize something. I want us to know where we came from and where we are. Because the scripture that we read is so powerful and important that we need to realize where God brought us from. So David said it this way, I was in a horrible pit. That's where I was. And I don't know, you know, Different ones of us have been raised different ways. Some of us raised in, in Christian homes. Some of us raised in very, very bad surroundings, maybe drunkenness, a lot of things going on. And where we came from, though, is not really about our environment. It's about who we were, what we were involved in, and, and, and where we came from personally. It's, it's more about that than our surrounding, amen. And so David realize even though he's raised in the goodness of the Lord a a, a God-fearing home he becomes king he is he's blessed of God he's anointed he just but then he falls into a horrible pit so let me say to the backslider that I want you to be included this morning because David was even though he was in a horrible pit Psalm 40 he said God lifted me out and set my feet upon the rock. Some of the Old Testament characters, I don't want to go into a whole bunch of them, but let's just take, for instance, Rahab. Rahab's past didn't look too good. There's this kind of argument. You know, Rahab was, was there in Jericho. Remember when the children of Israel came and she hid the spies and so on and so forth. And the scripture leads us to believe that she was a harlot. She owned an inn. Some say, well, she was just an innkeeper, but, but there's, there's some question about her life. Can you imagine now, later on, that she is in the congregation of the people of God and looks back to what she was and where she was at and, and just has to say, God, thank you because you delivered me out of a horrible life, out of a horrible pit that I was in, she becomes one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isaiah brings it open for everybody. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. But God has laid on him the sins of us all. And so when I look out here in the congregation this morning, even though you may have been raised in a Christian home, yet every one of us have gone like sheep astray to our own ways and to our own things. If we get over into the New Testament, then 
some of the characters there were delivered and, and set free. You think of Mary Magdalene. She had seven devils. Now, that's not something to brag about. You get into a testimony service in the early church, and she stands up and said, I just want everybody to know I had seven devils. And everybody's like, I wonder what those devils were. But she come from a terrible place in her life. Just absolutely possessed, not able to do the right thing at all. And the Lord delivered her from out of the hand of seven devils. Look at little Zac, uh, Zacchaeus. Little man, little man complex, little man syndrome. He thought he was a big man because he's collecting taxes, but see, he's cheating them. He is lying to them. He is stealing their money. And I have to believe that when he meets the Lord and he says to the Lord, he says to the Lord, I'm going to repay the people that I've cheated. And if I've done anybody wrong, I'm going to. Now I see him in the early church and looking back at his life, probably some of the brothers and sisters that are in the church, he cheated them. Peter makes admission of his sinfulness. Jesus didn't choose Peter, a righteous man. The Lord went out to the Sea of Galilee. There they are finishing their day's work. They have fished all night. And now they're, they're tending to their nets. Jesus gets into the little boat of Peter and says, Now put me off of the shore just a little bit, and I'm going to teach the people. And in his teaching the people, Peter's heart is convicted. And the thing that he says to Jesus is, No, I'm not a righteous man. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinner. But here he was, raised a Jew. Of course, we know that all Jewish people are just, you know, really good, God-fearing. No, Peter and probably his brother Andrew and probably James and John who are in concert with them, they're all doing the same stuff. Birds of a feather flock together. Amen. And none of them have a right to be chosen by Jesus to become apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just sinners. Paul, and it looks like that Paul in his, let me say bragging of himself, he said, if anyone has a right to boast, I do. He said, I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As when it comes to the law, spotless, I'm clean. The zeal of God, I've got it. I had it. But Paul, in his whole life, after having come to the Lord, after having been washed from his past, could not forget the crimes that he did against the church. He just couldn't do it. And several times he mentions it. Finally, he just says, I am the chiefest of sinners. I want you to know something about the Lord and about the gospel. And you're here this morning. I want you to know this. 
that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul says. And there is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that can stand up here this morning and say, I am worthy to be here. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm going to slip back here to 1 Corinthians for a second, and, and I want to read just a little list of some things that the Lord gave us here. Or do you not know that unjust ones will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be led astray. Listen. Neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers or malachoi, soft little men, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous ones, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor plunderers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and some of you were these things. Now, I'm not going to dig into people's past here this morning, but I'm going to have to stand up here with the Apostle Paul and say, if you look really, really hard, you're going to find yourself in that list. Why am I here this morning then? Why? What? The church isn't built, never was, never will be, is not built on perfect people. The church is not built on men and women that have no sin in their past. And if we look at Ephesians in verse 12, I, I want to break, he breaks this down for us here. If, if you have that second uh, Ephesians 2nd chapter and, and verse 12 going up a little bit. That at that time you were, number one, you were without Christ. No knowledge of his saving power. And like I said, I was raised in a Christian home. I always knew the value of Christ, but some of you weren't. But yet, being raised that way doesn't mean that you have the knowledge of who He is. And so, being without Christ, and then the next step was, you were aliens. You are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And that just simply means you're not a Jew, so you don't have an inroad. So you didn't have Christ, you didn't have a Jewish inroad into the people of God, what was. The third thing is, is that you were strangers of the covenant of the promise. You didn't know anything. You didn't even have the scripture. You didn't have Christ, you weren't a Jew, and you didn't have the scripture and understanding of anything about God. And then the next step was having no hope. You just didn't have any hope in this world. You had life in this world without Christ is a life without hope. There's no hope of a future. 
There is no hope of in betterment in your life. There's no hope of a change. I mean, every New Year's we can turn over a resolution and it just isn't going to work. And then finally he says this, you were without God in this world. That's a terrible place to be. Spending your time hand to mouth, trying to feed yourself, your family, working, trying to accomplish, making yourself more comfortable. And that's what your life is about until you pass away from this life. And I would have to say that that condition is what we would call totally lost. You can live in the finest house with the finest things, but this applies to your life. And without Christ, and without God in this world, you live in a condition of being totally lost. But let's enter Jesus into this equation in our life. And thanks be unto God that, oh, thank you, Lord, that we have a revelation of Jesus Christ. We understand him by the word of God this morning. We understand by the testimony of those that's gone on, by the prophets, by the apostles, by those who laid down the word of God for us. And they allowed us that opportunity to see him. And then not only that, there was this God being rich in mercy and made us Together, alive in Jesus Christ, this fantastic change that God only by himself could do in us. And then the scripture said, but now, Jesus Christ, you were afar off from. Now you have come near by the blood of Christ. Some believe that they found Jesus. We used to sing a little song. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. And, and you can look at it that way, I guess. I'm, I'm not really against that. But I want to tell you something. Jesus wasn't the one that was lost. And so really, it's more about him finding you. It's about you, the lost sheep, and the shepherd went out for. Because I, 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 I just believe sometimes that we feel like that we can find him when we want him and, 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 and make him available to us when we're ready to do that. And, and then there's some times where we just don't really want him bothering our life. And so we kind of set him by the side. But it's the reverse of that. The, the shepherd went out and got the gospel went out and found you wherever you were in that state of depravity that you were in. You were lost and you were undone and then the gospel got a hold. It wasn't a preacher that got you it, and it wasn't a church that got you. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ touched your life, your heart. Something happened down inside of you. This chapter starts with you who were dead in your trespasses and sins have been quickened and livened, brought to life in Jesus Christ. And so when the shepherd finds you, instead of you finding the shepherd, then we go on to what it says earlier also in this chapter where it says, by grace, you are being saved through faith. Um, this is not of yourselves. 
It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we sit in here this morning, and it isn't because of what we have done. The only thing that you could have done in your life to change anything is your faith in Jesus Christ. And so you sit here this morning, you were, you were lost, you were undone, you were, you were an outsider, you were a foreigner, you had no, no God in this world, you had no Christ to lead you, you, you had no understanding of the scripture, you didn't know who Jesus was. But now, but now, so then, you are no longer foreigners, it says, and illegal aliens, but rather you are fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. This transformation is so powerful. When we look at this, and I, I was thinking about this woman that said, she said, I'm, I've been, you know, in church, and I'm going to take a break from God. I don't know what kind of thinking that is, but that's not the gift of God, for sure. That is not salvation, for sure. You have become now fellow citizens of the saints. It's beautiful, because you were outside and dirty and unclean and unwanted, and, and you were worth nothing, but now you are something by the power of Jesus Christ. Not by you, but by His power. Not by something you have done. And so we have to be careful that we don't think that we're doing this thing. The Lord is doing this thing in our life. We think that, that I'm earning it and I'm doing good things and, and I'm not doing bad things and I've got certain convictions in my life. And so therefore, I'm walking this thing out. No, but I want you to know this morning that it is by grace this morning that you are being saved. And, and let me say this, that, that it is being accomplished in your life. And when the Scripture said you are being saved, it means that today, right now, the continuation of what God has started in your life, it continues to go on and on and on and on. I don't believe one trip to the altar is going to get it done. What I believe is that you walk in Christ Jesus and your faith in Christ Jesus and you are being saved day by day, by day. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I'd love to stand up here this morning and give you an insurance policy that once you say a prayer, that you're good to go. But I believe that resurrection of the old man in your life that becomes alive and quickened by the power of the message of the gospel, the message of the cross and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That it isn't just a come one day, lay it down the next day, but it is that you have been found. Can you say amen? Everybody okay, say amen. Let's just say that your condition right now this morning is that you are not lost, but you are found. And so, right at the end of this sermon, I've got the song, and I forgot to tell Rodney, but I want, you to, I want you to get it up for me. I'm a member of the lost and the found. We were lost in our trespasses and sins, but we're not any longer. 
we were out there somewhere, but now we're in here somewhere. But you're being built now on this foundation. Our text this morning. You are also being built together. You're being built together on a foundation. It's an old foundation. It's a foundation of apostles and prophets. And they are not really what we're building on. But they are a representation of what we're building on. Because the next phrase is, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So I found this. Let me read this to you. Historically, the cornerstone is the most important part of any building. Now we're talking about antiquity. Now, we don't do that anymore. We dig, dig footings and pour concrete. That's how we build now. We don't just put a, a cornerstone in place. But back anciently, the total weight of the edifice rested on this particular stone. Listen to this. Which, if removed, would collapse the whole structure. That's how important this cornerstone was to ancient buildings. It carried the weight of the building. It carried the direction of the building. They built off of that corner, and that corner directed. No, no wonder, behold, I have laid in Zion a cornerstone, precious elect. Because that is what the building is set upon. This whole thing is about Jesus. We're only simply here because we're built on Him. No. An outsider, a foreigner, who has not come in to Christ, cannot be built in this building. That would, that would be a, 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 a bad board. That would be a bad brick. But God takes His, those that He has made ready, those that He has, has, has got right for the building of the Lord and begins to place them in there. But they are built on the cornerstone. And so it says it this way. In whom, speaking of the cornerstone, Yeshua, all the building fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. And so I got this warning. Warning. Some of the stuff that you buy has warning on it. So I'm, I'm going to put a warning label right here. If the cornerstone is tampered with, adjusted, or removed, the building warranty is void. It's happening all over our nation. We've moved Christ out of the most important place. You cannot replace Him with the apostles. The apostles were great men. The apostles were anointed. The apostles were given the Word of God. But you cannot replace the cornerstone with the apostles. You can't replace them with modern wisdom for sure. Modern wisdom says that old way of going back to the cornerstone, we don't need that anymore. We don't build like that anymore. And so we don't. We build with concrete. This building right here has got a concrete footings and foundation around it. But the building of the Lord has one central cornerstone to it. And His name is Yeshua Jesus. 
And if we mess with that, if we adjust that, if we tamper with that, if we make it less than what it should be, then the building warranty is void. And so the text says, in whom, the whom is there, the cornerstone, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Now, when we think about church, and this is something that we're, we're, we're trying to break down. Uh, Sister Elizabeth came in here yesterday, and just briefly we were talking about this. So glad to have them come over. It dawned on me after being, you know, a Christian for most of my life and being a pastor for 25, 30 years, it dawned on me, I'm trying to separate from the body of Christ. I'm trying to get our group so that our group separates. And so this move over here to, from California, so it's like we finally got away. Bless God, we got away. But the Lord began to speak in my heart. It's not our job to get away from the body of Christ. It is our job to be built together into a habitation of the Lord. See, God's still looking for a habitation on this earth. He had a temple. The Jews built the temple, and, and God, His power was there, and in the tabernacle, His power was there, and and, but he, he looked at the temple before he left and he said, you see, not one stone is going to be left upon another. And I leave this house desolate, but I'm going to another house. And the other house is the church at Ephesus. It is the church at Philippi. It's the church of Colossae. It is the church of Galatia, Corinth, Thessalonica. Uh, it's the church of Rome. It's every local body that is built into a habitation of God. And I want you to know something here this morning. That you're not saved just so you can get your sins forgiven. You have been saved for a purpose in your life. There needs to be a habitation in this earth for God to come and dwell in. He always dwells in temples, but he's not dwelling in a temple made by hands anymore. He's dwelling in a temple that has found the gift of God, that has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, following him and coming together to be built together into that holy habitation of God. It's just hard for us to realize sometimes that as faulty as we are, that God has repurposed us. I said this before. We tore a bunch of stuff down around here. And if you look at it now, you can't tell. But look back at those windows and just if we just turn and look at that. The windows and the and the dressing over the top and even the crown mold and everything. It looks real nice and pretty now, doesn't it? It was junk. Had nails sticking through it. Spots were blemishes and torn and and so we went to work repurposing. We took a lot of junk and repurposed it. 
Now, then we got, we ran out of the junk, so we had to buy some, some, some good stuff for the rest inside and whatnot. But it just, it reminded me about this, is that God is this, this beautiful, he's this beautiful builder that knows how to walk out to the junk pile. And there he sees something that he can use. This is going on. I don't know how many of you follow a lot on Facebook and that kind of stuff. SD, is that something? I mean, there's some other things that do, do those repurposing things. Pinterest. Okay, Pinterest. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't know nothing about it, and that's the way I want it. But Kay goes through these things. Oh, look at this. She'll show me a picture of something, you know. Look at that. They repurpose that. Back when we were in California and we... And Kay told this story the other day. She didn't tell it exactly accurate, but she was close. I'll correct it. We're, we're building in our kitchen and figuring out what we're going to do in that kitchen. Well, we had this, this big oak, and at one time, you know, it was beautiful, big uh, entertainment center, and it had two sides to it, very, very, very good, sturdy oak. And I said, you know, what are we going to do with that? You know, we're tired of it. Let's get rid of it. I wasn't going to throw it away. We were going to sell it for cheap. And we got thinking about that. What if we repurposed that? And we did. And most of you saw our home and, and uh, saw in the, in the kitchen there where we had taken, stripped that thing out, made it a place for a double oven and a microwave over the top. And then on the other side, we, we took the two sides that had glass in them and incorporated them in by the uh, stove on that part, and it just looked really cool. And so everybody that came in the house, we said, look at that. I don't know if they appreciated it or not, but we did. But we had repurposed something, something that was going to be disregarded, something that was, to us, not worth much. And this is exactly what God has done to us. So don't get haughty, anybody. Don't get thinking. In fact, the Scripture said, don't let anybody think more highly of their self than really what they are. And so we're really not that high anyway, right? And so God took us off the scrap pile. I said, now, wait a minute. That board's got some nails going through it. And, but I can see something in the kingdom right there. I see something in the kingdom. And you who were lost in your trespasses and sins. Huh? Yeah, the world says they're not worth anything. But I see some value there. I'm going to repurpose them. And when I do, I'm going to set them into my kingdom and begin to place them into the building of the habitation of God. And so I want you to know something this morning. You're not just here to sit on a seat. You're not here to get a star on a chart. That's not why you come to church. But there is a different reason. And that is not for your pleasure, but for His pleasure, because He wants a habitation with the people right here out in the field of Claremore. He wants to be able to come down on a Sunday morning and say, I'm going to walk among my people and I'm going to bless among my people. It is a joy. And we quote that scripture that, that, that God lives in the praise, the habitation of praise of His people. But what we don't realize is that each one of us 
becomes a brick in the building of the tabernacle, the temple of the Lord, so that he can dwell here. So oh, I just, you know, I just, I'm just a Christian. I serve the Lord, you know. If I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. Everything will work without me. But that's not the way God sees it. He is waiting. Praise waits. We have that song that we, we used to listen to. Praise waits. Praise is waiting for our God to come in so that we can bless Him. We want to make a habitation for our Lord so that He can come down in here in the earth this morning, in earthen vessels this morning, and that He will find His people and have glory and praise and worship among His people. Can everybody say amen? I thank God then that we who were disregarded Not many, not many nobles, not many rich, not many well-to-do, not many scientists, not many doctors. Do we need to go down the list? Not many high in this world, but God takes the low of this world, the disregarded those that are hurting, wasted, unworthy, cleans them up, pulls the nails out, puts them in place, paints them up, and they become part of the dwelling of the Lord. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins, not the righteous, not the people that think they're good. Jesus said, you're blind if you think you're not blind. But the blind of this world, the lowly of this world, and he has taken that. And so I want you to know this, that when you come into the house of the Lord, you are as valuable in the building as anyone here. Everybody say amen. Let's say me again. Everybody ready? Me. I'm valuable. In the body of Christ. He's building me into place. He's putting me. This ongoing work that he's doing. Building the temple of the Lord. Which he has been doing. Jesus, we always quote this verse. Jesus said, I will build my church. And, and we're thinking that, you know, maybe some big church downtown. And he's got it all done. He's not got it done. He is continually building up those who were lost. And now, they are found. Praise you, Jesus. Everybody is happy that they were lost and now found. Just lift your hand and say amen this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to play this song to, to end this. I, I, I don't know where I found it. I think I heard it on the radio, and then so I got it and uh, watched it on uh, YouTube. Is that what you got? Okay, we're going to get it, though. Somebody ready to testify? So what we used to do when there was a pause in the service. We just listen to the words of fantastic.
I won't forget the night I stepped out of my pew Walked down the aisle My running days were through I knelt at the altar Just as I am Gave my life to the Father And left a brand Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. H
Hallelujah. He reclaimed me <laughs> forever. I remember I was lost and now I'm found. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with us this morning? God bless you. I didn't overburden you this morning. Sometimes I go a little long. This morning we went a little short. But we just want to thank the Lord that we have an appreciation. And I, I, I want everybody in this place to realize that the one sitting next to you, the one behind you, the one around you, is just as important in the building of the Lord as you are. And you are just as important because you were lost. That which was lost is now found. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be a part. Can you say amen? I don't know if that might be a brick or a, a board. Maybe you're one of the studs inside the wall that is not seen, you know. But you're a member in the house of God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise the Lord now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bless you, that which was lost. Lord, you told some great examples of those things which were lost, and they were found again. Lord, and we who were dead in our trespasses and sins, Lord, you had mercy. You were rich in mercy and, and grace and called us and bought us and brought us in, and you washed us, cleansed us. We didn't just plug in. Lord, but you cleansed us by the gift of salvation in our life. We thank you for it. God, we just ask you, Lord, that every one of us will see that importance that you have placed in our life, that we become part of a habitation for your spirit to dwell in right here in this place. And we thank you for it, Jesus. Everyone said amen.